This is Ready, Set, Workflow, a show about how to actually get things done in business, software development, startups, and life. We are your hosts, Tosh, Katie, and Caitlin. In today's episode, we are talking about retros. Well, before we get started with what a retro is, let's start with our question of the day. So today's QOTD is what is your dream job? Ooh, this? Yep, obviously being a professional podcaster. Um, okay, I'll go first because again, I had the answer ahead of time and I feel like this one is like a little bit harder, requires some really deep thoughts. So my dream career is being a DJ. I think that would literally be the best job in the entire world. And yeah, that would be my dream. Just like standing in front of like a light show with my laptop in front of me performing for obviously the main stage of Coachella. What's your DJ name? Oh, I don't have one yet. I feel like it would have to be an organic process. DJ N to the BB. There it is. That felt organic. I'd probably just stick with Tosh. And then if I couldn't make it as a DJ, I would also want to really, I really would want to be a bartender. I think that would be a really fun job and just get to like talk to people, judge them for what they order and just live my best life overall. So those are my two dream jobs. Those are pretty good. I'm sure my parents are so glad they sent me to college. Nice. I think mine would be either like a chef or a baker, something with making food because I love cooking and baking, but I hate doing dishes. So if it was my job and someone else could do that part for me, that would be ideal. Bakery dishes are a lot too. Yes, indeed. And you have to wake up super early for that. Yeah. Okay. So it would be like in the afternoons, it would be a part-time baker. That would be my dream job. Strictly afternoon cakes and croissants. Yes, that could be my cafe name. Love it. I think that's a great idea because then all of the other bakeries have run out of things by then and you're the, you're the afternoon offering. Yeah, that's a good point. Afternoon donuts coming at you. All right, Katie, if you weren't doing this, what would be your dream job? It would either be something where I'm paid to travel so probably either hosting, like hosting a travel show on Travel Network. I think that would be what I would like to do because then I can go around and try all the things, do all of the things and be paid to do it. That would be great. Mm. What country would you start with? Oh, not the U.S. Anywhere but here. Okay. Canada. Searching for Canada with Katie. Yeah, exactly. We'll just go straight up north. I don't know what country I would start in. I guess I would just continue on my South American adventure and go South to one of those. So either that or owning a distillery, making my own liquor. Nice. Oh, that's a good one. That is high on my list. And then you get to be the bartender as well, ish, right? True. So you get the best of both, which is fun. Part-time bartender. Yeah, you can make the like spirits or whatever, and I can pour them. And drink them. Perfect. And be the DJ. And Caitlin can provide the snacks. Exactly. The afternoon donuts. Yeah. I could do like a cheese board. 
I still think you should call it afternoon delights. All right. So now we'll get into talking about retros or retrospectives. So let's start first with the agile official definition of what a retrospective ceremony is. Okay. So the best definition I found for a retrospective is a retrospective is a meeting that's held at the end of an iteration um, or a sprint. And during the retrospective, the team reflects on what happened during the sprint and identifies actions for improvement going forward. So I think it's really just a time to inspect and adapt at the end of a sprint. I've seen other sources online that say you can do it at any time. And I actually have done retros at the end of like a giant epic to kind of review, you know, inspect and adapt, see what went well and what would be areas to improve if we did something similar going forward. But typically it's just run at the end of a sprint to identify areas to improve on going forward. Great definition. I think you touched a little bit on the why or maybe the two buzzwords there, which are inspect and adapt, or those are the two we hear the most, I think, when we talk about retros. Any other whys, any other reasons we do retros? Yeah, so being able to evaluate, gather feedback, and then most importantly, it's a moment for the team to come up with actions that may fix or improve things that are identified as negative. So when we get into the how of how we run retros and the conversation starters or questions that we ask, you'll notice too, and we'll speak to the most important thing is what's that next step? What are we going to do as an action item or takeaway from the retro itself? And it's that idea of continuous improvement. Continuous improvement. Yes. So I think Tosh, you hit on it in terms of when we do it. So we typically do it at the end of a sprint. Any, any thoughts on day time? What else is going on that day? Our sprints, we have start on a Monday and end on a Friday and we run them in two week cycles. And so the second Friday of the sprint is when our sprint ends. And that is when we do our sprint demo or sprint review and show all of like the really great things we've developed over the sprint to any stakeholders who are attending the meeting, as well as the rest of the development team. And then almost immediately after we do our sprint retros, I personally really think it's important to have it on the same day as your sprint ends, because if you don't have it immediately after, it's really easy to just forget about everything that's been done or that's been worked on and just pivot and start looking at what's forward. So having it after the sprint review is super beneficial and it really just lends itself to reviewing what you've delivered because it's easy to forget what you've worked on at the very beginning of a sprint. But since it was basically in your face, you know, 30 minutes before or so, it's really easy to just keep that top of mind and reflect on it then. I do like to give a break between the sprint review or the sprint demo and a retro, just because people usually need about, you know, 30 minutes or so to decompress post meeting. And it gives them a chance to gather their thoughts and ideas since they know retro is coming up next. They can decompress, chat about whatever they want, and then at the same time, gather their notes. And they're not doing that during the actual demo itself. Yeah. And a key component is having that just like all of the other ceremonies, having it regularly scheduled. I think what makes it unique as well to development 
or something that is unique to development in general is these retrospectives. We were in a meeting the other day where we were asked about how we are going to ensure that we're constantly doing things to better the product or better our process or something like that. And Caitlin quickly answered with, well, we already have something in place. We have a retrospective that's regularly scheduled. It's on the calendar. We are constantly doing that continuous improvement, which is amazing. And I don't know that a lot of other departments can speak to something like that. I know that after projects or whatnot, maybe you'd have a post-mortem, but the difference between that post-mortem and the retro is that it's regularly scheduled. And to Tasha's point, having it nearly immediately after, you know, with a break in between, but right after the, the demo is the best so that everything's top of mind. Also gives all of those team members a different view into how everyone else experienced the sprint. Totally. One thing too, um, that's important to kind of break out that's a little bit different from our demo or even our refinement. If you haven't listened to that podcast yet, go ahead and check it out. Um, But our refinements and uh, some other ceremonies we have are with our entire team, product owners, all of our developers, QA, design. But for retro, you want to keep it within their scrum teams. So just the team members that are working from the same product backlog. Those are the team members that should be meeting in a retrospective. So we have multiple scrum teams working on the same code base, but they each of our teams do have separate retrospectives. And then we actually, it makes it easy. You can share the feedback between the teams, but I think limiting it to a smaller group instead of having, you know, 20 or 30 people, however many people you have on your different teams meeting in one large group, the retro is supposed to be intimate and insightful. And obviously the more people you invite to it, it just, people can disengage, especially virtually. So you want to make sure it's a small group and everyone's able to participate and engage appropriately. And so I think limiting it to the team that they're specifically working with for that sprint is really important too. I think that helps keep the meeting short as well. Ours are 30 to 45 minutes. It doesn't have to be two hours of inspection and adaptation. It can be pretty quick. You know, what are everyone's thoughts on the sprint essentially? But let's get more into the nitty gritty of it and talk about the ready, set workflow way of executing this sprint ceremony. Awesome. The way that we do it is we use a Trello board to track all of our different responses from the team. We ask three questions to each member, but we basically go through each question, everyone answers, and then we ask the second question, and then we ask the third one. The first question that we ask, because you always want to start on a positive, is what went well this sprint? And it just gives people an opportunity to talk about the positives. It's a very similar like idea to question of the day, actually, because everyone has to answer the question. We do say that you can skip any question if you don't have anything to add. For the most part, people do have something that went well for them, that sprint. And obviously people like talking about positive things. So starting with what went well really allows people to just jump in immediately and kind of throw out a positive start. It gets the meeting started on a 
lighthearted note before you start asking the harder questions. We go through and we ask, you know, the entire team one at a time what went well that sprint and allow them to answer. And we also rotate who starts, you know, week one, Caitlin would start week two, Katie would start week three, I would start so that it's not the burden of kicking off the meeting doesn't fall on the same person each week. Yeah. And then if you don't take notes during your sprint, you can kind of think of things based on what other people are saying ahead of you, which can be helpful if you didn't prepare. Oh yeah. People are total biters. Everyone's like, oh yeah, me too. One thing that I've struggled with when leading the meeting is the facilitating and participating at the same time. So I know that we have product leads. We don't have a scrum master. So product leads, the retro in the case where you have a scrum master, they would probably lead it. But I found just that facilitating is really hard to participate at the same time. But I like the way that you run it, Tosh, I think with the Trello board that you mentioned and being able to quickly add a plus one to any feedback that's given. I think that that helps it make it a lot more efficient. In the past, we've used a Google Doc or taken notes and repeated, you know, I've specifically written down, typed out everything that somebody has said, and it takes a long time. But doing the plus one on the Trello board makes it a lot more efficient. Well, so yeah, we basically capture each response as its own separate Trello card. And then if other people in the sprint agree with feedback that was already given, it's really easy to just plus one it. Yeah. Instead of having to like type out verbatim the exact same thing, you know, eight to 10 times. If everyone thinks that demo went really well, you can just plus one that card versus typing demo went well, demo went well, demo went well. And it does save time. And it, and then it's easy to see too, kind of like what went really well or what didn't go well, because it, there's a lot of basically upvotes. It's a really easy way to track, you know, kind of like the overall feelings of the group, which I think is nice. Yeah. The visual really is key for our process. You probably wouldn't do a retro taking the group out to lunch or something. You want to have something you can look at. And again, at the end, you can see demo went well, got plus 10 and, you know, some other user story got plus one. You can kind of see like the big impactful things were for the sprint based on how many times people plus one did. Totally. And then after we asked the team, you know, what went well this sprint, then we asked them what didn't go well. So this can be a personal thing that didn't go well for you, or it can be something related to the sprint. So we start with something positive and then we dive a little bit deeper and ask people to think maybe proactively about what didn't go well, that's something that we can resolve or even potentially not. Like I got COVID last sprint. I added that to what didn't go well. Can I control it? No, but it is what it is. So the next question after what went well is what didn't go well. And this is, I think, where you get the most insight from your team. It's a judgment-free zone. Very rarely are people calling people out for anything. I've never seen that happen. It allows the team to take ownership also over things that didn't go well during the sprint that they'd like to improve or at least just bring up in conversation. And this meeting is not a time to resolve those issues. It's just to give the team a voice and an opportunity to talk about the things that kind of sucked for the past two weeks. 
Yeah, and this speaks to the why, very specifically to the why of continuous improvement. This part of that conversation is, is really, really important. So with the what went well, you can take those things and hopefully expand on the things that went well. And then for the areas that didn't go well, being able to identify, okay, how can we turn some of these into action? Like you said, Tosh, not necessarily coming up with the solution right then, but being able to focus on, okay, what didn't go well and what do we want to focus on for the next sprint as part of our improvement? And Caitlin mentioned the quick visual of being able to see those plus 10 that this went really well. It works similarly for the what didn't go well. So if 10 different team members are giving the same feedback on what didn't go well, you can quickly see that visual of the plus 10 and it can help you identify or give you some insights into, hey, maybe this is the one thing that we should be focused on for the next sprint to improve. Totally. And it's really important to not fix it or get defensive. I found myself as product leading these meetings, sometimes what didn't go well is the work that I prioritized for the team or how I prioritized it or you know the deadlines that I communicated to them well after the fact, whatever it might be. So if you're leading this meeting, it's hard to not immediately jump into saying, oh yeah, you guys are right, I'll do a better job, I won't do that anymore obviously keep it top of mind as a person, but that's not the point of the retrospective. It's just to take in that feedback, record it. And then at the end, the team gets to choose what they want to focus on to improve the next sprint. I also have had retrospectives where nothing really went super poorly or the things that went poorly were completely out of the team's control. Like AWS was down. We can't control that completely impossible for us to put anything in place to prevent that going forward. So what's always an interesting option as well is instead of always focusing on something that was negative to improve, if at the end of what didn't go well, if you don't have anything specific or consensus around a specific item, you can also go back to your what went well column and continue to improve on something that went well. If you were, if you started a new process for code reviews and that went really well, that sprint, that's, it's okay to just keep that as your number one focus for the next sprint iteration. So it doesn't always have to be something that didn't go well for you to focus on. You can also circle back and just focus on a positive as well, which is kind of nice. And the familiarity with the structure of the meeting helps with that transparency, that truthfulness, that openness. The devs know exactly what questions are being asked every week so they can prepare or every other week so they can prepare knowing, okay, what did go well this sprint? What didn't go well this sprint? And knowing that you're going to get those same questions every time can help you start identifying things, knowing what to participate, knowing how to answer rather than having a different retrospective or different questions every time and then having to think on your feet. It will help with that truthfulness and transparency. All right, moving on to the third question, my favorite question of retro, which is mad props. And I've actually had to explain what this term means to people. And I honestly wonder if Gen Z even knows what mad props is. We've just been saying it for so long that, you know, it's normal to us, but I looked at 
I looked up mad props on Urban Dictionary and all of the definitions are from like, <laughs> they're from like 2003. Of course. So yeah, this term might not be used in the real world outside of software development, potentially. We've definitely had to explain it to some of our offshore devs. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And executives. Yep. The best Urban Dictionary definition I found was a hip expression of appreciation. So we're hip, guys. We're hip. We're pretty hip. Great job, Caitlin. You're so hip. I'll take it. We should look up what year hip was used. That's got to go back to like the 80s, right? Oh, for sure. It might even be earlier than that. Who knows? We'll have to like pull our Gen Z users to figure out what like the new word is it? What is it like? Bet? Lit. I think lit is like years old. Lit is old. Cap. That's cap. Cap, I think it's negative. Stan. We stan retros. Erica Girardi used lit on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills this week. So I think that word is officially not cool anymore. I love Erica, but. Controversial. Whoa, different podcast. Yeah. Mad props. So we basically start the meeting on a positive and end the meeting on a positive. So after we go through, so we start with what went well. Everyone's super pumped on the last two weeks. Then we jump into what didn't go well. A little bit of a downturn in terms of like what your top content, but the team actually does, I think, enjoy it because they get to find an area to identify on. So once we wrap up those two questions and pick our focus for the next sprint, we end the meeting on a positive where we give other people on the team, mad props, just the hippest way to give a compliment, clearly. So then we ask the final question, which is, who do you want to give mad props to and why? You could just go through and say, I want to give mad props to Katie. That's not very impactful. It's just kind of as blah, don't love it. So we ask the and why, so that they have to bring up a specific thing that that person did. It again, forces people to actually like reflect on the sprint that happened and everything that occurred during that two week period and not just give a blanket answer. And it also, you know, reinforces hopefully positive behavior from your team and makes that person feel good. I think we can all agree that when you get a specific compliment, it feels a lot better than just getting a you're cool or great job versus like, great job. I loved that slide deck you put together. All of the charts were super insightful. That carries a lot more weight than just great job, Caitlin. All right. So we talked about mad props. Just to kind of recap our big takeaways for the ready, set, workflow way of doing retros. Number one, have a visual. So present either a Trello board or something else where you can keep track of everyone's input and you can plus one them so you don't have to retype every single time. And then our three questions are always what went well, what did not go well, and who do you want to give bad props to and why? Any other big takeaways you guys want to add? Do it. It's really important. I would say that refinement and retrospectives are going to be your most beneficial scrum ceremonies that you can run. Obviously, the other ones are important too. Otherwise, the agilists wouldn't be so adamant about them. But refinement just gives you a really, really good opportunity to get a pulse from your team. If you are working with an offshore team, you're not sitting with them every day. So it's hard to like get a sense of the vibe. 
So this is a good opportunity for you to just get a pulse of your team, make sure your ideas about what did or didn't go well are aligned with theirs. And then, yeah, just continuously improve your current processes and put the ownership on the team to do so as well. It's not up to you to make sure that everything is happening that you said the team was going to focus on. You can assign action items to the team. They can own parts of the improvement process going forward. So it's a really positive, I think it's a really positive way to end a sprint, kind of caps it off with a little, like, and then it gives you some momentum heading into the next one since you already have an idea of what you're going to be focusing on. Yeah, besides everything that Tosh said, which I completely agree with. Additionally, if you are, if you have the luxury of doing retros in person, something that is, here's a fun tip. You could name your sprint a certain food or a drink and the retro is a good time to actually partake in that food or drink. And it makes retros. That's the one part I miss about in-person meetings is just being able to drink champagne at eight in the morning because you named your sprint champagne. Donuts, afternoon donuts. Exactly. Afternoon donuts. Thanks everyone for listening in on our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode about retrospective. If you did, feel free to leave us a review or share this episode with your friends. Also, if you haven't already listened to our two-part series on refinements, go ahead and check it out to learn about our awesome Slack integration that you can use during your hopefully weekly refinements. You can also check us out on Instagram at ReadySetWorkflow. And please don't hesitate to tell us what other topics you would like us to cover in future episodes. You can drop us a comment or reach out on social media, and we'll see you next week.